0: going on otb nation welcome into episode number 301 of the allegedly award nominated which Deej, i'm gonna i'm gonna pause the intro there allegedly we were award nominated because i've seen that sports award thing roll around year in and year out now so shout out to everybody who nominated us for the short list of awards there uh, with these so I guess we can stop words. saying
1: allegedly and, and say we were nominated. Award nominated. Award nominated. No more allegedly, man. Allegedly. <laughs> no, no, no. It <laughs> happened. It happened. We were award money. nominated, comma, allegedly. Don't listen. Don't listen to anything after the comma. It, it ain't real. Ain't that what they taught us in school or something? I thought that was things comma that the splices. Commas, things things after commas don't exist or something like that?
0: or or we'll have to pull in we'll have to pull in uh self-appointed manager of the talent and ninth grade english teacher sarah bennett aka my sister to uh, help us out with that one
1: i forgot about i forgot about that
0: yeah you didn't hear that Sarah. uh but welcome on into episode number 301 of the award-nominated honorably mentioned uh, number nine, NCAA ranked, and of course viewable on YouTube. Outside the Box Podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. It's KB coming at you from Underground Studios, and of course joining me every week as he does. It's the boy, the man, the myth, the legend, D.
1: What's up, bro? I, I'm hyped, dude. Like I, I'm, I've been tired because I'm back Good doing man. basketball and. This year, for the first time in five, six years, my high school has a freshman girls basketball team as well. So every game I go broadcast is a triple header that starts at 415. After working the radio all day, dude, it's tough. Your high school guys, shoot us, shoot us, shoot us. I mean, hey, actually the only team that has a loss as of right now is the varsity boys team. Bingo. So the programs overall are doing well. I'm having a great time up in the booth, so that's awesome. We found out that so what I believe happens with the nfhs stream is I think a lot of teams use that for film and such mm-hmm. so the broadcast is automatically muted afterwards so actually mm-hmm. I wasn't being muted because of music I was simply just being muted because that's what they do when you go back and watch it later mm-hmm. so it's been nice to just get back up in the actual booth and and be back doing play by play knowing that's I'm weird. not they- being muted. They don't mute us. They but,
0: all the all the kids when they do football film because they use ours when they do film at Violin. They just hear everything we say, which I think I is very funny. Because when I, I walk into the guys, next game, they uh, they always talk about any funny things I say on the broadcast. The I don't
1: think you guys are NF- NFHS broadcast though. Like there's there's like a there's a certain program that like is run by automated cameras and everything that are at football fields and gyms and stuff. Oh yeah, and, no, we have our own. Yeah, that's like I think you can. I think pretty much if you have an NFHS account, you can just go in and watch any game from any team that has one of those. Yeah, so I think they've they for that reason. They
0: use uh, they use Huddle to send our broadcast, and then there's a camera that they use specifically for Huddle. Yep. So yeah, yeah. I'm back on the I'm back on the hoops grind on Friday,
1: and I'm coaching this weekend, box this time. Stepping inside the arena, I should have said inside the box. Uh, re- rewind, stepping inside of the box. Well, it's because hey, we hey. just live outside the box. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. I do, Come man. On I'm, now. I'm gonna be up on the bench though this weekend, so that's gonna be exciting. I man. need you with a tie.
0: I need a, a a suit with a pin on the lapel. I need you looking like dapper as hell, like Paul Day does every single Ain't week. No in way. Philadelphia
1: you getting wings. that out of me. All day on a Saturday, my I, guy. I need no. I
0: need a I need a velvet tie like my boy Dom Ponteri was wearing at his wedding this past weekend looking fly as hell. Shout out to the boy, he's a married man. Bro, we went out, we had a little like a little after party with people too, um uh-huh. at landmark in in Glassboro. And we were leaving. For whatever reason, they kicked everybody out at one o'clock at the bar. Very strange. Um but we were outside waiting and uh the bouncers were like you guys got a ride and dom goes i'm waiting for my wife and she's inside she's in the bathroom and the guy goes oh your wife oh you're good you're good and then one of our boys was like slaps dom on the chest like how'd that feel bro <laughs> That felt good. I know it did. It felt amazing. Shout out to the boy, Dom, a married man. He's the the second uh, underground sports Philadelphia. Well, technically third, if you want to count, because obviously Matt is married to my sister. Um, so that's a little just in-house uh, marriage right there. But Dom's second uh, actual podcaster on our network to, uh, to tie the knot. So shout out to the boy, OG co-host of this show, was the Gotta reason that we started Steve. covering lacrosse. Gonna be three soon. I know. Shout out to the boy Stevie Mac. Um and then
1: there's like five of us that are just <laughs> out here rocking L-I-V-I-N <laughs> Living. You hear me? Living. But, but shout, out boy, night, living. <laughs> shout out to the boy, man. I want to do a lot of living.
0: Shout out to the boy Domo The wedding was unbelievable. Matt and I will be talking about it a ton as well on the main pod if you want to hear some fun stuff from there. But wedding was great monica is amazing and dom is is the boy for life um so shout out to the married couple the pond Herries. um but let's get into what we got we got a lot of lacrosse to recap we got a lot of lacrosse to talk about uh, we got i think we're just going to dub it because they are no longer a team in current existence i think our lacrosse conspiracy segment deed should just be called chrome foil hats any theories that are just like outlandish or could be true, like that's what it's gonna be. Chrome foil hats, which we've got a chrome foil hat you this week.
1: That right now, didn't you? Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: It doesn't have to pertain to Chrome slash the Denver Outlaws anymore.
1: It's yeah. widespread. They ain't got booth chemistry like us. We out here. <laughs> I knew as soon as you said that, I was like, that literally popped in his head as he started talking. We on
0: some Lil Wayne shit. The coach in the booth called me John Gruden, but not really. (laughs) Chill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But before we get into all of that, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at OTB LaxPod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, threads. We've been trying to get more active on threads. I've seen the benefits. Deej, I got to tell you, they have done a lot of improvements to make threads a usable social media app. I know Casey has figured out the algorithm on there for F1 uh, because they are popping on there. Our F1 podcast has almost 3,000 followers, if not already 3,000 by the time you guys are listening to this, which I think part of it is because the UK, until uh, Thursday the 14th, does not have access to threads. It's not legal because of like social media monopolization because it's owned by Meta and everything. So they had to like have leaps and hurdles and everything. Um, so the official F1 account is not on Threads right now. So they have gotten the jump start over the official F1 account, which is amazing. Um but we are on Threads, they they
1: have implemented tags. And you know what's crazy is they might be considered the official F1 truly Thread Truly, we we had somebody tweet
0: to follow them on Twitter and said, "Y'all hold F1 threads together."
1: What? Hey, what? What if F1 threads like F1 makes a thread page and people are like, "Nah, you're fake, frauds." (laughs) Like, nah, bro, you you took too long. Fraudula one. These people over here, though, they they did they 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 hold it it down.
0: (laughs) Um, but they've implemented you can use one right now. Uh, for what is hashtags, but it's just tag so that you can get like an algorithm going with your content um there's a following tab and a like a for you tab um i think the coolest part is you can post up to 10 photos and videos in a single post very much like instagram which is very useful um but yeah we're on threads so go follow us it's same username at otb laxpod um Follow Deej on Twitter at s c s underscore next great. Follow me at k b i z z l three one one k b i z z l e one one on Instagram and Threads. Um, Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five star review on both of them. Goes a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Lets us do more dope stuff. Makes us makes us seem that much more legit and become the people's podcast like we already know we we are. So go subscribe wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. And, of course, subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show every single week. You get full video episodes of every show on our network every single week. It is truly almost a 24-7, 365 content hub uh, with shows that are just coming out every single day. Uh, You get clips, shorts, live streams if you keep subscribing otb radio may be a thing so keep it coming our number one live stream uh of the year on youtube was otb radio so if you want it keep subscribing we are currently at 668 subscribers on the youtube channel we need to get to 700 before the ball drops on new year's eve keep subscribing keep boosting those numbies over on the youtube and uh, let's make our YouTube like one of the go-to sports YouTube channels to to come to. Um, and, of course, get your merch. PHI Apparel Company, the best merch partners in the game. They are working on getting our merch up uh, for all the people asking about the Duck merch. Like we mentioned last week, our boy Tyler, our merch partner at PHI Apparel Company, just had a baby. Um, so he's working diligently. Uh, while also juggling the duties of being a dad, uh, which is obviously priority number one. Um, But go to phiapparel.co, check out the OTB merch, check out the Underground Sports Philadelphia merch, and if you're a Philly sports fan, check out all the Philly sports merch as well. And when you go to check out... Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. Most effective and direct way to support us. If you want to see DJ and I travel more, if you want to see us you know, create more dope content in person with people, uh, get your merch. It really does help. It goes a long way. Uh, and when you get your merch, post it, tag us. We'll repost it, all that good stuff. Uh, we'll post it on our, our social channels. Uh, And tag PHI Apparel Company as well, but it's PHIapparel.co, code underground, 10% off your order. Deej, let's get into it. The week two recap. Week two in the NLL was a wild, wild time. A lot of unpredictability, a lot of teams just showing off in the early goings and, and making a statement, if you will, Uh, Week two went a little something like this. The Toronto Rock continue to have the Philadelphia Wings number. They win 11-7, but the big story, obviously, in that game is Blaze Reardon gets injured. He is now out four to six weeks. Holden Katoni did not play in this game because he is also injured, got injured in that opening game against the Riptide. He's out three to four weeks, so the Wings down two big pieces of that offense. We'll talk about that. Uh, When we preview their upcoming game this week against Albany. But a huge loss to to the Wings offense with the captain being out. uh, And they lose 11-7 to Toronto. The Albany Firewolves play a little spoiler in the first game of the season for the defending champs. And the Firewolves win at home 17-13 over the Buffalo Bandits. With tons of Bandits fans in attendance for this game. And Albany says hello motherfucker and pulls the upset big time what a win for the firewolves now 2-0 uh the georgia swarm take down the colorado mammoths 16 to 10 and pop off in big fashion to start their season the rochester nighthawks led by an 11 point performance from friend of the pod connor fields what a performance by the boy uh the Rochester Nighthawks go to Saskatchewan and win on the neon green Nickelodeon slime turf, 16-14. The San Diego Seals start off their super season 2.0 with a bang and take down DJ's Calgary Roughnecks 12-9. And then in overtime, first overtime game of the year, the League Pass team of the pod for this season the Las Vegas desert dogs hit a buzzer beater and then win in overtime 11, 10 on the road against Panther city to get their first victory of the season. Deej, what stood out to you in week two? What are some things you took away from the second week of this NLL regular season?
1: Um, That I am off to more than just a slump and the parity in the league is much higher than it's ever been before. Like, anybody can be beat. Like, like seriously, we're at that point, not in the year. We're at that point as a league where anybody can be beat on any given, given day. Look across most leagues, most sports. There's those teams that are at the top that people can't beat unless they're having a bad day. When you look at the games this weekend, the teams that we thought we were going to win, the teams that a lot of people thought were going to win these games, the favorites in some of these games, played good lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Sure, there were mental mistakes and things, but that's normal. You're going to have turnovers. You're going to have mistakes. You're going to pick up penalties. These are all normal parts of lacrosse. They didn't do anything that was abnormal. They didn't play bad. Yet teams beat them because they came and played better. That is what we need in the league. We don't need this huge disparity like we saw the last couple of years, where Albany could go out and play the best game they played all year and wouldn't even sniff close to what Buffalo was putting out. Now they go out and do that and they win by five. It looked like they were playing two different sports last year. Oh man, are are There's two different? teams
0: as as yeah? Uh, uh, they sample. they were
1: so far apart, and now Albany's winning by five and looking good while doing it. It wasn't a sloppy game by either side whatsoever. Like. I'm here for that. And, and you know, you look at um, the the Calgary uh, San Diego game, everything, everybody thought it was going to be a vintage rivalry. Yeah. It, it's a fantastic rivalry. It's getting off on great footing. And then you have Georgia complete underdog walking in and at home, mopping the floor with, with Colorado. I mean, my God, that, that was probably the biggest surprise to me is like, not surprised by what Georgia did because I know who's on their team. There's a reason I picked them other than just going back and forth with you as, as a – um Your league pass team. League pass, yeah, man. Woo! Yeah, um, it, there's a reason I went with them as my league pass team other than going back and forth with you. They have a lot of really good pieces and arguably have, once again, the hottest goaltender on the planet right now in Brett Dobson. So it's not very – it was nowhere near from super far in few and far between. This was something that could have been done from the beginning and they just made it look really easy. And that was the surprising part to me is they kind of just washed the floor with Colorado.
0: It would have also been really nice to know going into this, that Dylan Ward was not playing.
1: Yep. (laughs) Yep. That changes a lot.
0: That changed everything. We have Tyler Carlson who like, Obviously, he's in the 1% of 1% of athletes. He's playing his sport professionally. But there is a a, – and I think Tyler Carlson would tell you this. There is a big disparity between Tyler Carlson and Dylan Ward. More than just big. Makes a huge difference in this game when you have guys, like you said, on that Swarm team like Lyle Thompson, who has an eight-point performance to start the season. When you have Brendan Bombary, friend of the program, putting up six points and having a hat trick – Uh, When you have Jordan McIntosh dishing out three assists. When you have Shane Jackson going two and two. When you have Andrew Q having one hell of a game, one goal, six assists. When you have Seth Oaks going three and three. When you have uh, Brady Kiernan going uh, with two goals. Jeremy Thompson scores a goal. Uh, You have Zach Miller with three assists. You have Adam Weidman with an assist in this game. Like, that makes a difference. If Dylan Ward's in there... No offense to those guys. I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe Brendan Bomberry doesn't have a hat trick. Maybe Seth Oaks doesn't have a hat trick. Like, Dylan Ward can absorb some of those goals, and that makes a huge difference in that game's outcome. Um, does Georgia still win if Dylan Ward plays? Who knows? Maybe, but we'll never know. It's it's like the Kanye video. I guess we'll never know. Um, what's, I mean, Las Vegas fighting until the very end was huge for them. Like, to to have Rob Hellier rip that buzzer beater to send it to overtime and then win in overtime on the road, that's a huge confidence boost for a second-year team. Um, You know, Rochester, I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. We completely underestimated them. They are so fucking good. And now they got Ryan Lanchberry in the mix, too, from that trade that happened last week uh, as we were recording and we just didn't even get to talk about it. But Ryan Lanchberry going to Rochester – helps improve that offense that you know we felt like was missing a couple pieces with the departure of Thomas Hogarth um that that's going to help big time to have a young stud like him in the mix with Fieldsy with Ryan Smith um you know Rochester I I feel confident right now and I know it's two weeks I feel like Rochester's 100% going to make the playoffs if they continue playing like this uh and Fieldsy what a fucking game from him um, Georgia looked fantastic. Albany, the young boys, uh, a team that doesn't have anybody over the age of twenty five playing like that is crazy. Um, good for them, you know. And it's good to have a guy like Joe Nardella on that team, just balling for them and and playing good lacrosse. Um, to get a win at home like that is a huge confidence booster for them. And obviously, the Wings game gets a little compensated because you don't have Blaze Reardon for more than two quarters in that game. I know he tried to come back, but then he didn't play the entire second half. Um, so that sucks to just not have a fully healthy team out there to go toe-to-toe with uh, Toronto that entire game. But now the Wings got to overcome some injury adversity. Um, Sam LeClaire is going to have to step up. Tate Cotone going to have to step up in the absence of his brother and Blaze. Um I know they signed a couple guys uh, to the practice player uh, roster that will maintain their practice player status, but be on the active roster this weekend against Albany. So, Phillies, it's not the first time the Wings have had to overcome injury adversity. They had to do it last year when Matt Rambo got hurt. They have had to do it in the past, but they—that's why you bring in guys like Mitch Jones last year. That's why you signed Joe Restatarits in free agency like you did. That's why you trade for Ben McIntosh and have guys that can contribute to the offense and they just have to have the other guys behind them step up and play the lacrosse that they know they can.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest part when you lose anybody on any team is replacing, you know, that, that team and, and it, or that team. Uh, trying to figure out how to say it here, like, I'll relate this to basketball. The Detroit Pistons have lost 20-some games in a row, not because they're a bad team and don't have talent, but because their coach isn't putting out the right five. And in lacrosse, it's not necessarily the same thing, but it, but it is at the same time. you got to be putting together the right groups of people. So now you have to find people who had the same skills as Katoni and Blaze, which is extremely hard to do anyway, or at least especially with finally- Blaze. Right, or at least find someone who is playing similar, has a similar style of play, so now you can just plug them in and the other three people that they were constantly out on the floor with don't have to change their game style. They're still playing with two people who would be doing similar things or the same thing that Katoni and Blaze would be doing so it's almost a seamless fit. And then when they come back, you can just switch things back and plug them back in and they'll just get reacclimated to the speed and you should be good to go. But that's the hardest part of losing someone so high caliber with both Katoni and Blaze is you sometimes can't replace that. And, and there isn't someone that plays the same way as that person does. So now you have to mix things completely around and create a new sense of comfortability for you know two groups of five players. And then when they come back, you have to reshift everything back to how it was. Or you have to tell them, look, this is working, so now you need to figure out where you fit in this which can then be awkward for them and make it look like they didn't really come back from their injury looking well. There's just so many pieces to losing and coming back with injury that really fall on the coach more, more than the other players. And I think the wings
0: are in a prime position to be in a stable condition during these two guys being out because Paul Day is one of the best coaches in the league, uh, you have the guys like we mentioned. I think Sam LeClaire is one of the most underrated uh, young talents in the NLL. I loved his game when he was with Colorado, and then when the Wings traded for him, I think he's fit in perfectly with just the the system that Paul Day and this coaching staff run on offense. Um, I know they signed Tanner Buck to the practice squad, and he got elevated to the active roster maintaining his practice player uh, status, so that's a immediate reinforcement right there. But it also helps that the guys that are going to be stepping up have been with this team for multiple seasons now. Like Sam LeClair has been here since 2021. Uh, you traded for Tate Cotone early last year. And this Wings team, Paul Day said it in the, the press announcement with, with Blaze and Holden's injuries. Like, this team is filled with leaders. You know, Blaze is obviously the captain, but when you have guys like Ian Lord, when you have guys like Mitch Jones, Joe Reseter, it's Ben McIntosh, uh, Zach Higgins, like, this team is littered with veteran presence and veteran leadership. And I think if it's a, a younger team that loses superstars or a captain like that, it's going to be harder to bounce back. But the wings being this veteran savvy team, I think it's one of those things where it's like, Hey boys, like we got to step our game up. We know what we have to do to, to win games and what we have to do to accomplish the goals we have for this season without our captain on the floor, without a big, uh, you know, trade, That we made with Holden Katoni, trade acquisition, that's the word I'm looking for, um, not on the floor for the next couple of weeks. It's one of those things where I think the Wings will be able to weather the storm. I'm looking at their schedule right now, too, um, just to see where things stack up for them when it comes to just overall um, games that both Blaze and Holden are going to miss with their injuries, and obviously the Wings have their first home game this coming weekend against Albany, so it sucks that you won't have Blaze out there on the floor for the home opener, but game one that they'll miss is uh, is this week against Albany at home, followed by they've got a bye week after that, so that's two weeks there for Holden, and he already missed this week, so I don't know if that counts in the designation of of the injured reserve because he got placed on injured reserve this week so i don't know if that also counts towards it um but let's say it doesn't you know just for semantics one game by week then they have a game friday december 29th at halifax that's three weeks so that's the the minimum designation out for holding katoni Four weeks would be the following week they play at the Wells Fargo Center, Sunday, January 7th. You could see Holden Katoni potentially back for that game. Um, And then Blaze would potentially, I think, at the soonest, be back January 13th at home against Saskatchewan. Other than that, maybe they hold Blaze out to get fully recovered because the Wings have another bye week after that, and then their next game is Saturday, January 27th at home against the Seals. I could potentially see them holding Blaze out to just have him fully healthy because four to six weeks in the NLL, that's a long injury designation, so I'd rather Blaze be healthy. Uh, but you mix in those bye weeks in there, that's thats non-game uh, action that they're missing. So it, it's not that many games that both of those guys are realistically going to miss. It's it's at max for Holden three games that he'll miss, which is is huge, obviously. But it's not, you know, half a season. It's not a three-quarter season injury. Uh, and for Blaze, it's a max four, maybe maybe three that he misses as well. So while on the surface, those look long. In the NLL, it's a little different because it is a week-to-week league, and you're only playing one to two games a week potentially at most. And the Wings have three games that are obvious locks that those guys are going to miss. So it's a matter of kind of just managing through three games without holding Katoni and Blaze Reardon and at max for Blaze four.
1: And, and that's a long time, you know, for them not being on the floor, not playing, not having that consistency, and, and really just energy being let off and playing that you get from playing the game. And then for the team, without them, and trying to figure those things out for the coach, you know, keeping in contact with them and making sure they're okay on the mental side of things and keeping them updated on how the team's doing and what's going on and and what their ideas are moving forward, but also for them and trying to stay focused on what they have out on the floor and how they can win those games and and not getting caught up in that man, I really wish you know these guys were here, or we would have won that game with these guys, or we would have had an extra five point like that that's a, a line of thinking you don't want to fall down but it, it's hard. Yeah. Um, it's also one of those things
0: too, that like, at least for blazes situation, cause I'm not sure where Holden lives blaze lives in Philly. You're telling me blaze isn't going to show up to practice every single week when the boys are home, he's going to be around the team, which is huge. And you know, that's just a, a sign of a good captain as well. So you're not going to keep blaze away from the team and he'll be around them, which is nice. Um, but, you know, it's just a matter of weathering through that storm of, of not having two high-octane goal scorers for you. And I, I'm fully convinced Tate Catoni and Sam LeClaire are going to step up in a big way. So keep an eye on them while those two guys are out. Um, but, Deej, shall we move to the NLL Week 3 preview? It's brought to you by Tomahawk Shades because you got to have the clearest vision in the game to preview a week of the NLL action from sunglasses to blue light glasses to ski goggles. And of course, prescription lenses, Tomahawk Shades has you covered with the best eyewear in small batch form for a fraction of the price of the big eyewear companies. Tomahawk Shades just comes through. They're the most comfortable sunglasses that Deej and I have ever worn. Deej wears them when he's coaching. We both wear them when we're driving to our day jobs. I wear the blue light glasses all the time when I'm editing, when I'm watching the NLL on TV to protect my eyes from those harsh blue rays you guys can get your own when you go to tomahawkshades.com or download the app in the app store google play uh, and fill up your cart with sunglasses blue light glasses prescription lenses and if you're into skiing and snowboarding get your goggles and when you go to check out use code usp for 25% off your order at tomahawkshades.com not to mention tomahawk shades is part owned by two former lacrosse legends in kyle harrison and chris hogan so go to tomahawkshades.com or download the app in the app store or google play use code usp when you check out to get 25 percent off your order smaller week this week deech uh on the schedule only five games uh we got friday night lacrosse friday night lacrosse after dark that's like one of those wheel of fortune like before and afters Friday night at lacrosse lacrosse after dark mix it all together and we've got Saskatchewan at Las Vegas this week to kick off week three of the NLL then we've got Saturday matinee lacrosse at the Wells Fargo Center I unfortunately will not be there uh because the boy the man the myth the legend the original producer of underground sports Philadelphia Tyler Steinbrunn, is getting married this weekend uh down ashore so I will be at his wedding it's wedding season everybody um, but the wings play at one o'clock I'll be doing my best to keep up to date with everything on social media uh, before I get to the wedding because the wedding's not till four thirty. but to drive to Philly and then have to drive all the way down to the Jersey Shore uh, the correct Jersey Shore not the North Jersey Shore um, would just not be feasible in any sense so uh, I will be doing my best to keep up on social throughout the game between albany and philly then 7 30 p.m eastern time on long island the halifax thunderbirds come into new york to take on the new york riptide and then 7 30 p.m eastern time as well we've got a clash of titans as the buffalo bandits raise their championship banner against the san diego super seals and then on saturday at 10 o'clock p.m eastern time all the way out in british columbia in vancouver the Vancouver Warriors host Lyle Thompson and the Georgia Swarm. All the league pass teams in action this week for us. The Wings in action, the Riptide in action. It's a, a beautiful week of lacrosse. Deej, what stands out to you for week three? What are some things you're looking forward to? And what are some some keys to some teams uh, claiming victory over their opponents?
1: Well, I mean, the biggest one of them all is... Um my favorite game, San Diego Buffalo. That's the one I'm probably looking most forward to. Um, uh, when you think about the banner going up and, and a lot the, all the star star power between these two teams, it's insane on the offensive sides for both sides. Defenses are good, goalies standing on their heads. I I especially after watching War War on the Floor, I love Chris Oligri Oligrieri. Like he's a dog. A- Dude's a dog. Like he's, he's a dog, and he steps up every time that San Diego team needs him. So that's going to be fun. Seeing Saskatchewan try and bounce back after Vegas pulls out a tough win. They're looking to be on the up and up. Um, Halifax, New York, I, I don't know what to expect from the riptide. But I, I think Halifax is, is going to run away with that one. And I think it, it goes to them offense. They just have to push offense, go hard. Their offense is so good. Like, if I'm Halifax, I'm looking to score once every two possessions. Like, Mm -hmm. we should be scoring every other possession. That's how good our offense is. And I kind of want to see them take the best shot. I think not even just this year, but even the past few years, sometimes they take the first shot or the first couple shots, and they could have worked a pass or two more or three more and gotten the, the best shot out of the possession and most likely scored on it. I think – not that I don't love the riptide, not that I don't think New York's a good team, but I think they're one of the teams who gives you the opportunity to find your best shot. So they need to take this opportunity to really get into the groove of their offense and find their best shot consistently and see how many goals they can score because we know there's tons of firepower there. Um, Georgia-Vancouver I feel like should be a runaway. Um, But that one's going to come down to their offense as well. I think their offense has to score. Mm -hmm. I think they finally see, they got the goalie they've been looking for in Dobson. Defense stepped up huge for them against Colorado. You have to score points if you want this team to win. So lean on Lyle. Lean on Bomberry. Lean on Shane Jackson. Let these guys bring you back into the game and, and figure out how they want the game to run. Let it run under their pace. And I think that Georgia can come out with a win but like like I said game of the week is, is San Diego Buffalo San Diego has to do what Albany did get Buffalo frustrated early stay in their face make them work for everything be Fight. In their grill. <laughs> I mean hey if you want to have an all-out brawl that seemed to have worked I talk a fan about war on the floor am I right <laughs> I'm a fan of that so if you want to do that go ahead I'm here for it uh but Yeah, they literally just have to bring everything they have at Buffalo, make it extremely hard from the beginning. We know their offense is going to score. We know that. So the defense is the piece for San Diego that has to make it tough on this Buffalo team and be in it from the before the first whistle, letting Buffalo know you're going to have to work for every single thing you want. Buffalo on the opposite side, their thing is starting fast. Mm -hmm. Start fast. Come out, ignore everything that they're saying to you, knock in three, four, five quick goals, and then you you stride and, and figure out how things are going to go for the rest of the game. But they have to start strong. They have all the pieces they need. They've had all the pieces for years. They finally cracked the door last year. Banner's going up. You don't want to lose in front of your fans with the banner going up. Now's the perfect time to just dig in and play 60 good minutes of lacrosse.
0: Yeah, I think some things I'm looking forward to this week, uh, Friday night, 10 o'clock, Saskatchewan-Vegas. Seeing how Vegas uh, maintains after an emotional, hard-fought win on the road, coming back home. How do you manage those emotions and expectations now against a team in Saskatchewan who is 0-2, looking for their first win, can't let it get like late too soon in the season, if you will. Uh, because if you fall to 0 and three like this early, that's that's not ideal in a unified standing situation in a league where DJ and I were talking before we started recording, like we didn't even realize like how important score differential was going to be uh with the unified standings, which is like so on brand for us because we love score differential impacting any sort of league in terms of tiebreakers and everything. Saskatchewan needs to start fast, they need to uh they need to be on that Halifax prescription of scoring every other possession if they want to uh, find success in this game. I think that's going to be a hard-fought battle between those two teams. Philly-Albany is a, a classic, good old-fashioned rivalry game. That's going to be a lot of fun. I would love if Brett Manny is in the stands uh, now that he's retired. Will he root for the new wings, or is he sticking with the boys? Um, Shout-out to the boy on his retirement. We obviously talked about that, but that would be cool if he is in the building. Um, that game is going to be a lot of fun, seeing the – the young guns of of Albany going into Philly, a hostile environment as it always is for Wings home games. Uh, And you're getting a Wings team that's one and one, getting those fans back in the building once again, being loud and proud as they always are um, at one o'clock as well. It's going to be a beautiful matinee game. Uh, Halifax in New York, just as much as you said Halifax needs to be scoring every other possession. I feel like the Riptide need to, uh be calculated with their possessions in that opening game against the wings there were so many shots that they just fired off trying to score and frustrate Zach Higgins they need to be more calculated with their shots they need to be more accurate with their shots does it get easy against Warren Hill absolutely not that's why you need to be calculated the Riptide have an offense that can score with any team in this league but if they're just going to take Misguided and uncalculated shots during a game that's just an, an absolute recipe for disaster for them. And if they want to be in this game, they've got to be pinpoint accurate with the shot selection that they're taking. Uh, I agree with you, San Diego Buffalo on paper is the game of the week. You get Max Adler versus Trevor Baptiste, you get two high powered offenses, uh, you get you get Bandit Land with a, a banner being raised. It's going to be all-time vibes. Uh, and then Georgia-Vancouver, I think, is going to be sneaky, like, finesse lacrosse, if that makes sense. From Lyle to Adam Charlombetis with Vancouver to, uh, you know, Baller with Vancouver and and just this new-look Vancouver Warriors team. They're looking for a win. They're going to be hungry. Georgia's coming off a big-time win at home. they got to travel cross-country now. Uh, for most of those guys. So we'll see how the travel impacts uh, impacts them. But that I think that game is kind of sneaky fun, and I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that plays out. Um, I think order, if you had to give a top three games of the week, it's obviously San Diego-Buffalo. I think it's uh, Halifax-New York is probably number two. And then I think Friday night, Saskatchewan-Vegas might be number three. Really? And that's no slight to my wings. It's just just a one o'clock game. It's no blaze reared in. That sucks. And then it's just a matter of is Albany for real? Or is this kind of just an early season like Jekyll and Hyde? We're seeing the good of the young guys. Will the Wings defense and a Zach Higgins be able to put together now two weeks of film on this team and frustrate some of these young players on offense.
1: Oh, that was the part I was talking about. I just don't know. Like I I, I can't tell if Georgia Vancouver is going to be a better game because like I can't ever count out Lyle Thompson not being exciting. I just don't know which one of those two goes in the three spot. I think it's definitely San Diego Buffalo than Halifax New York
0: mm-hmm.
1: or one two, but then the three spot is either one of those games because there's a lot of intriguing pieces. Um, Frank gig still looking for his first win as as a rush. Las Vegas looking to go two in a row. Georgia looking to stay perfect. Vancouver still trying to find their first under Kurt, like it, story pieces of, on every side of that.
0: Yeah. There's a lot to take in this weekend, which makes it fun. And it's five games that are, spaced apart pretty properly obviously there's two games going on at seven thirty, which stinks but pull up that double box and you'll have yourself a good old-fashioned time saturday night at seven thirty p.m eastern time get that popcorn ready for that double header right there um before we get into i feel like we got to add this now to the pick segment deej but i'm pulling it up right now just uh The standings, uh, which I think this is something, you know, we try to think of like we have Squire sixes and everything. I think our picks need to be named after somebody, uh, both NLL wise for NLL picks and then PLL wise for PLL picks. And it's like the blank standings, and that's the, the winner. So we'll figure that out. Leave it in the YouTube comment section who you think we should name our NLL picks after and our PLL picks after. Uh, but I went into week two, three, and two. You went into it two and three. Was not a great start for either of us, as both as all three of the wings, Buffalo and Colorado, fell. Um, Panther City also falls, so we lose that game there uh, in overtime. Um, but I came out on top with the the flip picks as Rochester and San Diego came through for the boy. So I go two and four. Uh, in week two, Deej puts up a duck egg. See what I did there? Um, and goes zero and six. So going into week three, Deej, you stand at two and nine. I am sitting at five and six on the season, which leads us to a little trip down to the pick pond for our NLL week three picks of the week brought to you by the homies over at Kenwood beer. It's beer money time. Kenwood beer, the official beer partner of underground sports, Philadelphia, and the outside the box podcast. It's 4.1% ABV, just 120 calories, only eight grams of carbs. It's available in the Pennsylvania, meaning Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in Maryland for all you Terps fans, all you blue Jays, From Johns Hopkins fans, all you Towson people, all you Loyola Maryland dogs, and of course, New Jersey, available in all those areas. You can go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Finder to see who has it on tap. Or you can get it at your local liquor store, and you can go to KenwoodBeer.com and get these kick-ass pint glasses available now. They've also got new merchandise uh, this holiday season, ships super fast. Go to KenwoodBeer.com to check it all out. Must be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. Deej, we kick off week three in Las Vegas, the city of sin, as the Vegas Desert Dogs host the Saskatchewan Rush. This is a a doubled-up league pass game for your boys, so you know I'll be locked in. Uh, How do you see Vegas and Saskatchewan playing out as the 0-2 Rush look for their first win and Vegas looking to uh, go two in a row?
1: As much as I would love for Saskatchewan to get their first win, they've struggled a little bit. They're on the road, and Vegas just picked up a huge win on the road in overtime. This game is in Las Vegas, and I just haven't seen enough from the Saskatchewan offense to trust them just yet. So I gotta take the dogs.
0: I am right there with you for the last point you made. Haven't seen enough from Saskatchewan's offense. Obviously, they scored 14 goals last week against Rochester, but then gave up 16. Gotta be able to play some defense. I think when you have Rob Hellier, when you have Jack Hanna, when you have Charlie Bertrand, uh, and the rest of those boys on that Vegas offense playing the way that they are i think they're gonna be able to channel the emotion of a an overtime victory into uh just momentum and being at home coming off of that win coming back home i think that's gonna be huge for them friday night in vegas i think the dogs uh come out on top in a big time like i think it's gonna be a, a very fun game to watch um so give me the dogs uh to get a dub And we move to one o'clock on Saturday at the Wells Fargo Center for the first time this season. Philadelphia Wings hosting the Albany Firewolves. Wings are one and one. Firewolves two and zero. I love the way the Firewolves are playing. I think it's a great early season like success. Even though it's two weeks, it's a good success for a team that has been doubted time and time again they had burt kreischer rocking a albany firewolves jersey at his show in albany at the times union center uh shout out to the machine being a big lacrosse guy um i just think the wings and sure albany pulled an all-time upset against buffalo last week but the wings have been playing buffalo that was their first game albany already had a game under their belts um and kind of just up to game speed The Wings have been playing as well. I think that's a a bit of a factor in this one. The Wells Fargo Center is going to be rocking. Do I think this game is going to be close? Absolutely. It always is, for whatever reason. Um, But I think the Wings have what it takes to get the job done. I think the defense has played pretty solid. I mean, holding Toronto to 11 goals is a huge success, I think, for any team. It was just a matter of Blaze being hurt. You didn't have Holden Katoni in that game, so you didn't have your full offense to be at at your disposal um but i think the wings come out with a big time win at home and improve to
1: two and one. Oh wow this uh... i'm gonna do it first split game of the week i'm going on wow. it, it it wasn't too tough of something for me they're two and oh Rochester's 2-0. I think they're the only two teams that are 2-0. and They are. And do you know why Albany is so far ahead of Rochester?
0: Goal differential, baby.
1: They're outscoring people by six goals. And they have the second most goals in the NLL right now. Only behind Rochester by one. I like Albany to go out and score. And I don't know that the Wings can keep up without Katoni and Blaze. Do they still have a lot of good offensive pieces? Absolutely. But I don't know if they can keep up with the scoring power that we've seen from Albany so far against arguably the best defense in the league. The, the, league, the team that just won the NLL and returned to pretty much everyone and their Hall of Fame, waiting Hall of Fame goalie. They put the most points up this year on them. Nobody has scored more than Albany just scored on the defending champion. I got to take them over Philly. Over Philly for now. Fair. Fair point. But
0: do you agree with my point that I made that Buffalo
1: hadn't played yet?
0: Wings have. So that kind of plays a factor in my decision for sure. Absolutely.
1: We head out.
0: We head out to Long Island. Where the New York Riptide are hosting the Halifax Thunderbirds, a little storm a brewin', thunder hitting the water. Uh, how do you see this one playing out? In what I feel like is kind of becoming like one of those matchups that feels like a rivalry, but it's not a rivalry just yet. It's almost like how, like perspective wise, it's like when the Eagles play the Vikings. It feels like they play each other every year, and it's always like a, a fun game to tune into feels like new york and halifax a bit i don't know why it just gives off those those vibes where like at any moment something could click and this could become an all-time matchup year in and
1: year out uh but how do you see the thunderbirds and the riptide playing out teach uh pretty much for the same reasons that i don't see um or philadelphia being able to keep up with albany same thing over on this side new york has tons of options offensively the guys are scoring and 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 they're putting a point in. they played one game and they lost 10 to 13 i mean 10 goals in a game is pretty solid that would i mean in most games that that's winning or close to winning but that's not going to be enough to be you know a, a team in halifax that's scoring almost twice that yeah almost twice that they played one game and put up 17 like you you got to come with goals and New York hasn't shown in the last couple years they can score high total like that in order to beat Halifax you got to score a lot of goals their games when they lose are 16-14 17-12 or 17-13 22-20 22-20 <laughs> 18-15 like but New York hasn't really been shown to be able to score that many goals so i can't trust them to win this game I think Halifax is just a more complete
0: team. Like, they've got the transition guys to do it. Obviously, Ryan Terafanko, friend of the program. And I think the goaltending plays a huge part in this. Warren Hill is one of the top five goaltenders in my book uh, in the league. So, give me Halifax to get a big-time road W uh, over New York. Then we move to the game of the week. The San Diego Super Seals, Volume 2, taking on the defending champs as they raise their banner at Banditland. The Buffalo Bandits coming off a loss – to the Albany Firewolves. Uh this game is tough. I don't know how it's going to play out. It's going to be back and forth. But I think Buffalo's got a sour taste in their mouth from losing to Albany the way that they did. They're going to have that home crowd behind them. They just can't let the emotions of a banner raising overtake the the task at hand. But in a close game, I'm going to rock with the defending champs. Give me Buffalo at home.
1: This one's hard. I think it's going to be one of the
0: hardest games for us
1: to pick all year. Yes, not because these two teams are just that good, because, I mean, they are. But San Diego opened the year with a tough game and won. And now they have a second one that they have an opportunity to win again on the road. Buffalo Buffalo opened the year with a game that many thought they had in the bag and then ended up losing. So both these teams have absolutely nothing to lose and everything to gain. But the piece you said about them losing last week to Albany, the way they did, it sticks with a team like that. And, and, these players will come out and make a statement. And and I, I just don't see them losing on banner racing night. I, I don't see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I also need Chase Frazier to score all the goals because I don't know if you saw the Buffalo Bandits put out their goal song list today. Um, Chase Frazier's goal song is Fat Bottom Girls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that That is the most Chase Frazier yes. thing we could have gotten this year. And also shout
0: out to Matt Spanger. his goal song is litty by meek mill um
1: (laughs) i like that
0: we've got the final game of the week 10 o'clock p.m eastern time out in vancouver the warriors hosting lyle thompson shane jackson andrew q and the rest of the georgia swarm deej how do you see your league pass team playing out west in the final game of the week
1: Georgia, this is a little bit of a PSA. (laughs) You scored 16 goals week one on a team that just went to two straight NLL championships. If you embarrass me by losing to the Vancouver Warriors, we're going to have some serious problems. serious problems. Lyle's going to have a day. Dobber might be the best goalie on the planet right now. I'm liking what I'm seeing down there. You have me, Georgia.
0: I'm with you. I think Georgia has the offense. They have the goalie. Um, I think they have the transition game as well to, to really just figure things out and, and continue a strong start to the year. I'm going to take Georgia as well. Um, so there are your week three picks as Deej and I look to bounce back after a rough week, uh, in week two, we both have Las Vegas. I've got the wings. DJ has the firewolves in our one flip game of the week. We both have Halifax. We both have Buffalo and we both have Georgia and those are your beer money NLL week three picks of
1: the week powered by Kenwood. Here. This time don't don't use my picks yet. I, I, don't use my picks anytime. Not till like will, week twelve. <laughs> bro, I will give y'all the okay when my picks are good to use. Right now, they go with his. At least he <laughs> wins something. I, I got a little man. something at least. <laughs> man, last week was rough. Yeah. I didn't do well. I didn't do well in my podcast I do for work either. We do picks in that and I didn't do well over there either i mean we we want to combine two for 10 so (laughs) not great
0: not great not great bob
1: not great (laughs) that's not even not great that's bad no don't even cap with the people that's bad um we won't do y'all like that again yeah let's uh let's
0: everybody strap in we're gonna create a graphic for this very much like if you listen to streamer season we do Uh, The streaming platform, Multiverse News and Notes. We have a whole thing that pops up on the screen. We're eventually going to create that for this show to just implement it right away. But uh, everybody strap in. Please look above you and reach for your chrome foil hats as we embark. On a theory. Announced this week from Tom Curran, who covers the New England Patriots in the NFL, obviously, that uh, one Bill Belichick will not be returning as the head coach of the New England Patriots after the season, allegedly, allegedly. Is Bill Belichick on the move? We've seen memes, we've seen photoshops, D just seen him in an Alabama polo. Seen him a lot of talk about the Washington Commanders and him going closer to the Naval Academy, coaching in the nation's capital, even though they play in Maryland.
1: Well, but oh yeah, they play. Yeah, Sorry. I but, was thinking about the other two that are getting moved to Virginia. Could we see
0: a theory that we've had in the bank? At least I have personally, and have been. Wanting to to propagate for quite some time. I don't even know if I properly used the word propagate right there. But pretend I did. Could we see Bill Belichick hang up the football cleats, hang up the clipboard, and don a lacrosse team's logo on his chest in the near future? Could Bill Belichick, known investor... In the PLL, take his talents on the road all summer long, and be coaching in the PLL in twenty twenty four.
1: Does he stop investing
0: if he do that? If he does that, that I don't know.
1: I not that some kind of conflict of interest or something.
0: Like, I mean, it's for the players by the players. Why not that, for the that, coach that, by the coach?
1: That's true. That's true.
0: Bill Belichick in the PLL at some point in his career makes too much sense not to happen. Could it happen as soon as 2024? Deitch, your thoughts.
1: Does he go to the cannons? My, my, my my biggest thing is I think it's closer to happening than people think. I agree. I think it's closer. I think that's closer to happening than him doing something else in football. I agree. That's my biggest thoughts on it is I, I think he wants to, if he's done with football, he's done. Like, I don't think he wants to coach anywhere else. I think his idea of coaching in, in the NFL was, hey, I'll ride this thing, see what I can do here and in New England and see what my career turns out to, and it turned out to be what it was. And somewhere along that coaching line, he was like, look, th- this is it. I'm a ride what I got here. When I get pushed out of here, I retire, whatever the case is going to be, I'm done with football. And I think – there's a possibility he makes his way over to crowd, But then again, he could just kick his feet up and say, fuck everybody, I'm going to do what I want. I think he's probably got two to three more years of football.
0: He'll go to another team to prove that like he still got it and don't. you don't have this. No, I'm saying from his perspective. like oh, I Brady bet. went to Tampa Bay. I'm going to go and prove that I can play without Belichick. Belichick, potentially is going to go coach the Commanders. Maybe he goes to Tampa Bay because I don't know if Todd Bowles survives uh, down. I don't think any coach in the NFC South survives this season. Um, Maybe he goes to Tampa Bay and follows in Tom Brady's footsteps. I think he coaches two to three more years in the NFL to kind of remove this two in whatever season that the Patriots end up having uh, from everybody's minds. And after that, You're telling me in two to three years, Deej, we don't have another expansion team in the PLL known as the Chesapeake Bayhawks, and Bill Belichick is your head coach of the Chesapeake Bayhawks in the PLL, and then you have a fun rivalry of Belichick's past versus his past, Of the Chesapeake Bayhawks and the Boston Cannons being rivals once again. I think that is the likely outcome. Is Bill Belichick coaches two to three more years in the NFL. Obviously he and Paul Rabel have a beautiful relationship. He gets on the phone with Paul and says hey Paul. How long until the Chesapeake Bayhawks come into the PLL. Paul tells him. Hey coach, you know, give it X amount of years. The job is yours. And then Bill Belichick makes one of the biggest sports splashes in modern sports history, becomes the head coach of a professional lacrosse team. That's gonna be all over sports center. Adam Schefter is going to be talking about it. Ian Rappaport is going to be talking about it. NFL Network is going to be talking about it. Dan Orschlowski is going to be talking about it. Pat McAfee is going to be talking about it. And then we are talking about Bill Belichick and potentially having Bill Belichick on this podcast.
1: Could you imagine talking to Bill Belichick on this podcast? I would
0: love it. I would love it. Give it two to three years. That is that is my official chrome foil hat theory. In Listen. two to three years, Bill Belichick will retire from coaching football. The Chesapeake Bayhawks will be an expansion team by that point in the PLL. And Bill Belichick will be your head coach of the Chesapeake Bayhawks in the Premier Lacrosse League in two to three years, which will be, what, 2026, 2027? That sounds about right. You uh, The only
1: thing, you got to promise me one thing you won't bring up 2017 until the end. That's fair. Okay. I'm cool. I'm cool with it. As long as I, you just, can...
0: I would just love to pick his brain about just the game in general.
1: Yeah. As long like, as, just as like going
0: toe to toe in that game and watching the way both of those teams played would be fascinating to hear from his perspective.
1: Yeah. I just want to get that at the end. Let's let's do the lacrosse stuff first. And Obviously. Then... And can, still some NFL can,
0: stuff and like going from yeah. the Browns to the Giants, mm-hmm. the Patriots and everything. And
1: You can just get your rocks off at the end. That's all I'm saying. I don't, I don't want you throwing off the mood before before the end of the uh,
0: – I want to know uh, – my, my biggest question would be uh, how much respect after that game does he have for Nick Foles?
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And watching him go toe-to-toe with Tom Brady who set Super Bowl records in that game and still lost. And then ask him which of his former players could he see playing lacrosse? Ooh. Not named Chris Hogan.
1: Right. That's that's a cop-out answer. Because you know who I
0: think would be really good at lacrosse if they focused on it as their craft? Malcolm Butler? No, but close. The McCordy twins. Oh, yeah. I feel like they would be really, really good at lacrosse. Randy
1: would have been good.
0: Oh yeah, just his hand skills alone.
1: Randy would have been insane.
0: <laughs> Wes oh. Walker would have been good too.
1: Yeah, I was. I was gonna say Wes.
0: Edelman Amendola.
1: Didn't he have Dion Branch? Spikes? Didn't he have Brandon Spikes?
0: Yeah, he was a linebacker for them.
1: He'd be he'd be a good deep pull. Brandon Spikes would be a great pull. Gronk, I would be more scared. I would be more scared of Brandon Spice than I would Graham Hasik, and that's not a slight at Graham Hossick. That's the fact that Brandon Spice is a maniac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I would, I would rather dodge on Graham Hossick than than Brandon Spice. At least Gronk I'll come out alive be. against Graham. I might be hurt, but I'll be alive. <laughs> Brandon's gonna kill me. Gronk would be a dog. Oh yeah, yeah. That's just like Travis or Aiden Hutchinson, Jason all. Uh, all those guys are kind of in that same. Mike Kosecki would probably be very good at lacrosse. I forgot he's now a Patriot. This is the first year I didn't have him in fantasy. That's the only reason I don't know. His whole Dolphins career, he was on my fantasy team.
0: You know the sport Mike Koseki actually played before football? He's he's a Swim? central Jersey guy. He's uh, no, he's a volleyball
1: player. Oh, that's sick. I, men's volleyball is, it goes hard, actually. So it explains his, his ups. Athleticism, yeah. It explains a lot of his athleticism.
0: But yeah, could Bill Belichick be on the move? Official my stance is he's going to coach in the NFL two to three more years. The Chesapeake Bayhawks will then be an expansion team by that time, and the first head coach of the PLL iteration of the Chesapeake Bayhawks will be one Bill Belichick. Who would be his offensive and defensive coordinator? I was just going
1: to say maybe it's Danowski, and they bring in Belichick. Mm. as Offensive coordinator.
0: Did Matt Danowski play for the Bayhawks in the MLO?
1: Oh, who did he play for? Was it the Bayhawks or was it the other team, the other blue team?
0: I'm going to pull it up.
1: It might have been the Bayhawks. That, that's actually a really good question. But I, I could see Belichick being a really good offensive coordinator. Yes, he did. Danowski, head played- coach.
0: He played for the New Jersey Pride, the Long Island Lizards, the Charlotte Hounds, and the Chesapeake Bayhawks. And the Hounds also was the other team.
1: Chrome. The Hounds was the other team I was thinking of when I said blue team, but I couldn't get the name out.
0: He also played but for the yeah, Colorado Mammoth, Rochester Nighthawks, and Philadelphia Wings.
1: I, I could see him being head coach. I like that. And then Belichick being offensive coordinator. He played attack when he did play.
0: Or D coordinator from his uh, football defensive brain and, like, Scheming up some interesting. He could.
1: Uh, I feel like he would be more comfortable and more excited to coach offense and, and do attack stuff. Like
0: I kind of like that. I'll, I'll revise like my, my theory. I like that. This is the combined theory. Give it two to three years. Belichick will still be coaching NFL for the next two to three years. Chesapeake Bayhawks expansion team in the PLL. Matt Danowski becomes head coach. Of the Chesapeake Bayhawks hires Belichick. Bill Belichick as his
1: offensive coordinator. Maybe D.
0: Or defensive coordinator. Who's the other coordinator for the Chesapeake Bayhawks in two to three years?
1: That is probably the hardest part. Oh. Mm. Okay. Maybe Belichick does get hired as D coordinator and he brings Deemer Class as his offense.
0: Oh. 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 Let him cook. Yeah. Let my yeah. boy cook. Yeah, that's it. Oh. Oh man. Oh, man. That's good. Matt, Matt Donowski,
1: Demer class, Bill Belichick. Um, Josai and other billionaires and millionaires out there. They're settling down with, with you know cities soon. You need a GM, I'm right here. We're right here. Let us cook. You saw what we just put together. If you need a GM, I'm right here. This radio stuff, done with it. Done with it. Let us cook. I'll put together a squad. That's a coaching staff right there. Like, man, what?
0: There it is. You're wow. doing you say 2026 or 2027? It would be 2027 technically because it would be the summer. Yeah. So, here it is. Like Official statement. Bill Belichick will retire from coaching in the NFL in 2027. The Chesapeake Bayhawks will be an expansion team by then in the Premier Lacrosse League. Matt Donowski is hired to be the head coach of the Chesapeake Bayhawks, former Bayhawks player. He then hires Bill Belichick to be his defensive coordinator and former PLL pro, Deemer Class, friend of the program, to be his offensive coordinator and there is your 2027 chesapeake bayhawks coaching staff
1: in the premier lacrosse league presented to you by outside the box podcast the official podcast of the
0: <laughs> because where's deemer class from deej because it also makes sense
1: v- or virginia no, no 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 baltimore maryland yep yep
0: where did deemer class play in college duke where does Matt Donowski play in college? Duke. Where does Matt Donowski coach right now? Duke. It makes too much sense. Let us cook. The risk. Let us cook.
1: Chef in the kitchen.
0: That's a good call by you. Thank you. That's a good call with Deemer class.
1: I don't. I don't have too many good calls, but that one, I did right.
0: 100%. So there is your chrome foil hat theory of the week. The Chesapeake Bayhawks in 2027 will be an expansion team in the PLL. Matt Denowski will be their head coach. Bill Belichick will be their defensive coordinator. And Deemer Class will be their offensive coordinator. And it will be incredible in three to four years when we look back on this clip and we are proven correct. Or in the weird chance that we are not, it will be very funny to look back on how hard we cooked on
1: this theory. For the for literally the fucks of it. If it, if it doesn't play out, this was all for fucks. And it was awesome.
0: We just created a whole team. We just went full-blown video game mode.
1: Like down a whole separate universe that doesn't exist. But we brought it into existence. Whoa. One day. There will be a lacrosse video game, and we'll be able to just create dynasties and like, and we'll be able to just make Bill Belichick. Oh my, yep. <laughs> this will be a thing one day. Whether EA, happens, Ronnie, Two K, hit us up. Real life or not, it's gonna happen. Bill Belichick will be coaching a lacrosse team. You just wait on it. Wow, it'll be like NCAA 14, and you get to be in coaches mode. I've been wa- I've been watching a handful of those, the NCAA stuff on facebook or youtube and like i I don't know who takes the time to create current players and load them into the game but somebody does it for all 126 fbs d1 schools that's insane but they're doing it and people are simulating this year's playoff and all that. dude i love it michigan's winning most of them so well one of the most entertaining things
0: from the pandy wandy was when uh Big Cat was doing his coach's mode with Coach Doug's and yeah, yeah, he found yeah. the real coach Doug's and hired him at Barcel. <laughs> Which was dope. <laughs> it was nuts. Oh, um but there's him. our chrome foil hat theory for the people. Let us know your thoughts on that in the YouTube comment section or if you have anything to contribute to that. Who do you think would be the face of Matt Danowski, Bill Belichick, and Deemer Class's Chesapeake Bayhawks in twenty twenty seven? Uh let us know. Bro. Right on the no, you know who's gonna be, because that's in three years. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna be draftable in three years?
1: Are you saying Joey Spolina? Yes, sir. <laughs> cook them, bro. Yes, sir. <laughs> cook them, bro. Cook. Let us cook. Cook. And by then, they probably can finesse something to get Bo off of Denver. Still speaking that into existence because there's no way BL doesn't. Bro, they gonna have they
0: gonna have Joey Spelina and Lyle Thompson on the Chesapeake Bayhawks. I, in I was gonna say that too, <laughs> <like>. <laughs> man. T- tell me, Belichick ain't gonna try to recruit
1: Brendan Nick Turn either. Oh, you know he is. He gonna go get Matt Landis. Facts. We get Johnny Sertic. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> We've been Not at an military squad. <laughs> Thomas Rigney about to come out of retirement. They should have called him the Chesapeake Bay servers. <laughs> uh, sorry, guys, we got to postpone our game this week. Everybody's they're off on duty. Sorry, guys. They're gonna th- nah, because
0: by then some of them might be done for they're active done duty with service. Yeah, <laughs> and they still gonna be in playing shape because you gotta be in shape for the military. Gotta be. That's why they ain't gonna let
1: you die on they they account. That's crazy. Not not because you're out of shape. Right. You can't sue them because you couldn't breathe out there. Right. You get shot, you get shot. That's wild.
0: Yeah, let us know your thoughts on the 2027 Chesapeake Bayhawks uh, created by the Outside the Box podcast in the YouTube comment section. Uh, And now that we have most of the list, let's talk about the PLL Top 50 list. It is a wild, wild time. Um, Most of the list outside of the Top 3 has been announced. We'll go through each list and the top 10, obviously, to kind of just put in perspective. And I did see a tweet um, that is pretty interesting to kind of like dissect that um, Dan Arestia put out for like where the players voted for certain guys and then where the end of year award winners were were voted and everything. Um, So here is the PLL top 50 lists looking a little sound some like this as Swiss beats would say sound, sound, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the number one thing I always look at too for these lists is, uh, friends of the program on the list, which is always fun to look at. So we'll go number 50 to number 41, number 50 friend of the program kicks us off. That is Troy Ray, Charlie Bertrand at number 49. Ethan Walker at number 48 friend of the program, Ryan Drenner at number 47 friend of the program, Jared Newman at number 46 friend of the program. Number 45, Mike Chan Chuck number 44, Matt Moore friend of the program. Number 43, Dane Smith, Ben Randall at number 42 and friend of the program, Latrell Harris at number 41. Deej, your thoughts on that first
1: uh, grouping there that was announced a few weeks ago lots of our people that that was pretty much what i what i got from that is because this started the way it did there was going to be a lot of our people all over the list and there were tons in the first nine um you know a lot of people felt some kind of way about you know a handful of people that were out there but realistically because of what we were seeing in this first group of 10, I was I'm starting to get a grasp on how guys are are ranking players based upon what they believe to be most important and and, and how they value skill based on uh, what guys are are contributing in certain ways. And, and I think we'll be able to explain some of that and how we're feeling things went. And you just did, what, for all the way down to 41? Yeah. You did. So it's 50 to 41. It, it, so, like, the Dane Smith thing, right? We talked about this a little bit last week. Like, it's mainly that we know how good he is. Everybody knows how good he is. The players know how good he is. But I think some guys are holding the first couple games against them because they're like, dude, we get it. You're playing NLL, but you weren't here showing why you were a top 50 player here. You might have been doing it over there, but you weren't doing it here and sure you know he set an assist record but how many goals did he score He and, and to me he also wasn't dodging right he only he only scored five goals and he wasn't dodging the same way that, that he had been in the past he wasn't threatening to score as much it looked like he was looking to just get his hands free enough to pass the ball and open things up for his teammates defenders which is half of the voting pool here is not going to put you super high if you don't intimidate them in the dodging realm. Mm-hmm. They, that's a part of the game. And they feel like a player who is dodging consistently and putting them in a space where they have to decide if they're going to let them shoot or be a passer or, you know, try and turn them over, whatever the case may be, are going to get a few more points than a guy who's just like, look, I'm a dummy dodge. You step away. See this guy cut and dish assists are much easier to create than, a goal or or a true scoring opportunity, even if you don't score. So I think a lot of that played in the factor of why he was so low, Latrell being so low. Sure. He was, you know, he short stick D mid of the year to a lot of people. He was in that conversation. He was there. One, he got hurt. That That's, that's a factor. So and two, he wasn't dodged on as much and he was not, that his stats weren't where they had been the last couple of years. You see the same be, thing. He also
0: became the lead dog for them because of because uh, of Mark Dominique retiring, Mark Dominic McNeil got released, and then you had two rookies where it was like, oh, let's take our chances on the rookies who played fucking phenomenally this year. But exactly. Trezzy was like the guy, let's just avoid him and put our guys against two rookies that aren't familiar with our
1: game. But But I think he got exceptionally he, well. He got points and only he snuck in at 41 if we want to be honest people he snuck in there because he got a lot of respect for how he treated his new role and he mm-hmm. really brought those those rookies under his wing and was like look this is how we do things here with the archers stepped up and when it when his number was called he did the right thing every single time he was there and a lot of people respect him for that but realistically he could have been in the same position as danny logan not ranked this year because Nobody dodged on Danny Logan. When it, when teams were playing Atlas, they were dodging on their LSMs and their long poles and not dodging on 91. Players respect him. They think he's really good. But if they are not dodging on him and he's not proving consistently every week why he's that good, guys are going to be like, hey, there were three or four D-mids that were over that guy because they got dodged on consistently and still – You know, kept guys from scoring, still did this. That's where guys are thinking is what is happening to them right in front of them, week in and week out. And that's why we see some of the rankings we're starting to see. Matt Moore at 44. Matt Moore didn't. I do
0: do want to interject. Danny Logan was ranked this year. He just wasn't nominated for an end-of-year award.
1: Right. Sorry. Correct. But he didn't get nominated because he didn't have the stats to do so, because he was not dodged on. And I think. A lot of people probably still wouldn't voted on him because they would have looked at stats and been like, okay, yeah, he was really good, but what did he do, right? Matt Moore, for example, is one of those guys that got respect and 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 ranked where he was because – While also being injured. While also being injured because of the impact he had. He came in and, and he allowed archers to be fluid and move people around and, and create opportunities for other people. Grant A. Matt goes down. Matt Moore – Seamless transition down, and all of a sudden, Grant is looking really good out of the box. Trey LeClaire, they allow him to move around and play some mid, play O, do what he wants because of guys like Matt Moore. That, we're starting to see the implicit value that guys hold, and that's what players are looking out for.
0: And we go from 40 to 31. Uh, number 40, Will Bowen. Number 39, TD Erland. Number 38, Tucker Dordovic. Number 37, Matt Dunn. Number 36, Colin Kirst. Number 35, Jack Keelty. Number 34, Jack Hanna. Number 33, Mike Sisselberger. Number 32, The Peoples rookie, Ethan Rawl. Uh, and number 31, friend of the network, Grant Ament. I think a lot of these guys were placed properly and a lot of guys finally getting respect. Not finally, but getting respect for the seasons that they had, like Colin Kirst, like Matt Dunn, um, Jack Keelty, uh, Ethan Raw, being number 32, I think shows that a lot of players had respect for the way he came in as an undrafted free agent um, and made it such an immediate impact in so many different ways for Cannons. Um, I, I didn't have too much of a problem with most of these rankings.
1: No, these were all pretty solid. The only one in this group, there's two guys in this group that I would have moved much higher. Mike Sisselberger and Colin Colin Kirst. Mostly because of the positions that they play. One, Sisselberger was dominant at the stripe all year long, rarely lost, pushed it forward a lot, created offense, and and filled a hole that the Archers have always kind of had and, and not that Bones wasn't good when he was there and they haven't had good pieces, but he truly was like filling a space that they needed to be full. And he came out and did it beyond what people were expecting. And Colin Kirst battled for a little bit and then took the reins from a guy that many probably weren't expecting to sit on the bench and kind of had to, you know, navigate that relationship and then was absolutely stellar for the second best team in the league and did it as a as a rookie. You know, like the, there's, or not a rookie, technically not a rookie. I think he's second or third year, but he hasn't had any significant, year, yeah. you know, play time. So to me, he's still a rookie and he came in and, and played phenomenal. And, and those are two of the harder positions because they're anomalies. They're special. They're different. They're not just like every other player. Playing defense isn't too different from playing. You're just doing the opposite of what the offense is doing. Offense is just dodging, passing, catching, shooting like things are it can be broken down be very simplistic but goalie is you got to just see the ball and save it there's no other way to put that and you know stripe you got to clamp pop it out pick up the ground But there's no other ways to create those things it's just plain and simple that and and, and only so many people do them first off like there's not mm-hmm. a million and one goalies out here anybody half the people who pick up a stick are midi but there's only select goalies, select faceoff guys. We gotta highlight them for what they do and how difficult their position is. And sometimes I feel like that gets overlooked for for goals and things that happen between the lines.
0: Then we move to thirty to twenty-one. Number thirty, friend of the program, Ryan Tarafanco. Number twenty-nine, Zach Goodrich. Number twenty-eight, J.T. Giles Harris. Number twenty-seven, Brad Smith. Number twenty-six. Connor Kelly. Number 25, Bubba Fairman. Number 24, Where Were You When DJ Saved His Season? RP Tree, Rob Pinnell. Number 23, Chris Gray. Number 22, Friend of the Program, Dylan Ward. And number 21, First Time Outside the Top 10 in His Career, Friend of the Program, Matt Rambo.
1: These were all pretty solid to me. Like, all of these guys started the year really well or like had really nice stretches of the year where they were playing like top notch nobody could really beat them but they all came back down to earth they all kind of settled back down like connor kelly brad smith um terrafenco rambo were like solid for the first 3 or 4 weeks i mean top 4 top you know or top 10 top 15 players in the league every week And then they kind of were brought back down to earth after that and were just playing solid lacrosse. Not bad, but just solid and not great either. Um, So, like, that's kind of just how I felt about this entire, you know, set of guys. JT, Rob, Chris Gray had a a three-, four-, five-game stretch during the middle of the season where they were lights out. And then they, you know, came back down toward the end of the year. So, you're starting to see that distinction between the top 20 and, and the rest of the group where it's like, okay, the rest of these guys had points and periods where they were really, really good. But these top 20 guys were good all year and, and consistently good. And with it every day of the year.
0: Yeah. I think the, the only one that got hurt by uh, being out in this run was Dylan Ward because what a fucking season he had water dogs until the championship were undefeated when he played um so I mean him being out from obviously the NLL championship and then he had a baby so he missed uh time on paternity leave so outside of that I mean for Dylan Ward to still come in and miss what like four or five games this year um to come in at 22 just shows you how special of a season he had and that just shows you the players valuing being available for your team then we go from number 20 to number 11. We got Zed Williams at number 20. Defenseman of the Year, Garrett Eppel at number 19. Danny Logan at number 18. The People's Goalie of the Year, Brett Dobson at number 17. Mac O'Keefe at number 16. Friend of the program, Connor Fields at number 15, who, if I'm not mistaken, had the biggest jump on the list of anybody who was ranked last year to this year. He Went from 44 to 15. Uh, friend of the program, homie, the boy, Kieran McArdle at number 14. Friend of the program, Jack Rowlett at number 13. Zach Courier at number 12. And Jeff T at number 11.
1: This is going to be weird to say. The only one I had a problem with on this list is Zach Courier. To me, he should have been top 10. I agree. All of the different things he's asked to do for the Water Dogs, and then does them week in and week out, take faceoffs, play defense, play offense, score goals, dodge, get assists, pick up ground balls, don't turn it over, help us clear. They're literally asking him to do everything short of save the ball. Like literally everything short. And of- even then he'll do that. And, and, yeah, I say he probably will get in front of a shot here and there. Like, they're literally asking him to do everything short of be goalie, And he's delivering on that. I don't see how other teams, other players aren't seeing that, which I know they are, but, like, giving him a few more props for that because there aren't guys on other teams that are being asked to do that much. There's some polls that are being asked to, you know, do some face-offs and help the transition a little bit, but they're not being asked to take entire offensive possessions and be a main Dodger. They're not being asked to go back and play D and and stop one of their best midfielders. Not being asked to be at the stripe and fight for every ground ball. We got to give him some flowers and credit for what he's doing. But 12 is solid, and the amount of archers that we're now starting to see on the list is is more synonymous with what I would expect. We're up to, I think that's seven now.
0: Uh, amount of archers on the list. Give me one second. Yep. Pull it back
1: up. Seven. Three. Fields, Mac, Four. Brett, Grant, Mike, Matt, and Latrell. Yeah. But then you know you look at the cannons. They've got Ryan, Colin, Jack, Ethan, Zach, Bubba. And then they got a couple more coming up soon as well. So I guess that, that's pretty solid actually. Water dogs have quite a bit too. Ethan, Ben, Jack, Dylan. Connor, Dylan, Garen, Karen. Zach. So they're at seven two. Those three teams are kind of dominating. Top fifteen. I mean, look at the year. Can't say those top three weren't having dominating players week in, week out.
0: And now we've got what we have of the top 10 ranked. The only ones not announced so far are in order the top three, but we know who those players are. We can all assume. Uh, but number 10, Michael Earhart. Number nine, Ryder Garnsey. Number eight, Josh Byrne. Number seven, Graham Hasek. Number six, Asher Nolting, number five, Marcus Holman, number four,
1: Trevor Baptiste. Uh, My only problem with this list is is Earhart. I'm a D guy. I like LSM's. But if we're punishing other guys for missing time, why isn't he getting punished for missing time? That's like why I have a problem with it. Not that he isn't a good player, doesn't deserve the spot, didn't show it. When he was playing, but if we're gonna charge other guys for being injured and missing time and not having the stats or being out in the NLL and not having the stats, where where is the the same energy with with Earhart?
0: He did fall well, from last year. He he was number five last year, number ten this year. But I think this comment on Instagram sums it up perfectly. And everybody at home knows we have hella respect for Michael Earhart. Like he is one of the classiest dudes that we have the pleasure of covering week in and week out during the PLL season and during the off season and everything. But I think this sums it up perfectly. Uh, this comes from at T underscore Hawks 19 on Instagram. All respect to Earhart, but he had a pretty lackluster season compared to other LSMs. Ethan Rawl had five times as many cause turnovers and more ground balls. I get that Earhart is one of the goats of the position, but I don't think he earned top 10 this year.
1: And I think that's how a lot of people felt about the LSM of the Year award as well, is that we're not saying he isn't a great player and didn't do things that would normally warrant that, but when you look at other guys that were out and doing things, his season just wasn't up to the par to, to win those awards and, and get this kind of recognition to our eyes. Mm-hmm. This I love that writer. Player, fun. I say this is a player-voted list, so they obviously saw something that we didn't from a different perspective and, and and respect to that, and and their views are their views and are correct because they're allowed to feel that way.
0: I love that Ryder's finally getting the respect he deserves after not being ranked the last two years, which is just criminally insane that he wasn't ranked. Um, so good for the boy, Josh Byrne, friend of the program, uh, falls from number six to number eight. I think that that checks out. That Josh Byrne comes in in the top ten. He was dominant when he was on the field. Um, and and was a, a huge spark when he came in after the bandits championship for that chaos offense. And um number eight feels right. Graham Hosick at number seven. Um he moved up eight spots from number fifteen to number seven this year. Asher Olton goes from not ranked to number six, makes a ton of sense, had an MVP caliber season. Marcus Holman jumps from number thirty-nine to number five. Um, so I think he actually may have had the largest jump over Connor Fields' jump from 44 to 15. Um, Again, MVP caliber season. What a year for Marcus Holman. And Trevor Baptiste just falls one spot from number three to number four, which leaves us three players left, which everybody kind of knows who they are. It's Tom Schreiber, it's Michael Sowers, and it's Blaze Reardon, which, Deej, this all but confirms, I think for the very first time in his career, Will Manny left off the top 50 list.
1: Yeah. I mean, he,
0: he had a good season, but not he had a good season and top top 50 season did
1: some things and helped out the whip snakes. But like he wasn't anywhere near what he's been on the archers and wasn't just the impact player for them that a lot of people maybe thought he was going to be. He he was there when they needed him and, and had some huge goals and and made very good plays and helped, mentor guys like Tucker Dordovic, but just not producing in the level to warrant a top 50.
0: And also, if I'm not mistaken, the only player from the now Denver Outlaws is JT Giles Harris.
1: Um, give me just yep. a second.
0: JT the only one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess so.
0: Makes sense. He's easily the best player on that team. Hmm. Um, I love that Dren Dog got his flowers. He deserves it. He had such a bounce back year. You want to talk about a non injury comeback player of the year, Ryan Drenner? Easily one of the nominees in my book. Um, love that Troy Ray is finally getting the respect he deserves. Jared Newman has gone from top dog to overrated to underrated now and he's getting the the recognition he deserves um but i think most of this list is, is pretty spot on and accurate for the most part and we'll see how the top three play out between captain america uh philly's own michael Sowers, and uh arguably Philly Zone, blaze riordan as well um Where do you think it ends up being ranked? How do you see the top three? I think we both
1: agree that Tom Schreiber is going to be number one. Yes, Schreiber is number one. Part of me wants to say Sowers because of how they're valuing goals and and him going to -to back-to-back championships and what he did every week. He was one of the top five scoring in fantasy almost every week. Like, guy was on point but guys have so much respect for Blaze and what he does in the net in comparison to what he does in in the winter, you know, to playing forward and the way he commands the chaos team and and the defense and is always in the right spot, makes the saves. He shouldn't. he shouldn't make, get it out in transition and and allows offense to be created off of his side of the ball. Like he does a lot of really good things. So I, I don't think I can pick a two or three. I think I think the players lean Sours. I think it's Sours Blaze.
0: Yeah, I think it's gonna end up being Tom Schreiber, Michael Sowers, Blaze Reardon. Um and that's no disrespect to Blaze at all. I just think that's just how it's gonna play out. Um, where the two teams that made it to the championship have the top two players and that's what makes sense in my book um let us know your thoughts on the top 50 in the comment section keep it nice though let's be nice let's be nice let's not be tired let's be nice um
1: because y'all don't want me to get negative
0: yeah we are going to try and get uh, a meeting of the minds if you will for a future episode on this whole college lacrosse clamp face-off thing that it can be dedicated to a whole episode i'm going to reach out to uh chef jerry Raganese and the man the myth the legend greg beast greg garenlian uh to see if we can get them on a future episode to talk about this because they are much more knowledgeable uh as a whole in that department obviously than we are uh it's absolutely insane and uh we have been and will always be pro face off on this podcast
1: The crazy part is, yes, I'm definitely pro face-off. But I would not hate this at high school for my team. And on that note, everybody, make sure you subscribe. (laughs) At least we would have an opportunity to pick up the ball. That's going to do it for this episode of the Outside the Box podcast. But I'm definitely all for the face-off. I don't want it to go anywhere. I don't. It would be nice but i don't like like it it could benefit my team like if it happened i wouldn't necessarily complain in terms of coaching my team but then when it comes to summer fall box pll anywhere else college i will be a full complainer because the game isn't as cool then
0: yeah we're gonna get them on to uh talk about all of that so make sure you guys subscribe and follow us on the socials at otb lax pod twitter Instagram, TikTok, Threads, facebook.com slash undergroundsportsphi. Follow DJ at SCS underscore next great on Twitter. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping this show continue to grow. It helps more people find OTB as a whole. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Philadelphia. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We need to get to 700 subscribers or more by the time the ball drops on New Year's Eve. We are currently sitting at this portion of the podcast at 668 subscribers. That means 32 more of you that I know you're not subscribed and you're watching this part of the episode. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just click the subscribe button, smash the like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on our Chrome Foil Hat Theory and anything else that comes to mind while you're watching the episode. Uh, Enjoy this weekend of lacrosse. Get your merch at phiapparel.co, code underground for 10% off your order. Once again, congrats to the boy, the man, the myth, the legend, Don Ponteri on his wedding and uh, his marriage to Monica. And uh, we'll be back next week breaking down everything that went down in the NLL anything that goes down in the PLL also we'll talk a little bit more about the Cole Williams Connor D Simone trade we both tweeted about it Deej and I both love it for both teams Uh, but until then this has been episode number 301 of the allegedly award-nominated, honorably mentioned, number nine NCAA-ranked, and, of course, viewable on YouTube, Outside the Box Podcast, the official lacrosse podcast on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For DJ KB, enjoy the NLL lacrosse this weekend. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace.
1: Peace. You and that's outside the box.